My friends over at serenitynewsletter.com have a special opportunity open to those interested in learning advanced investing techniques in the crypto space. This membership is of the highest quality and is run by a dear friend of mine who happens to manage one of the most successful crypto hedge funds in the world. Crypto is the future, and those who make smart plays now have an opportunity to earn life-changing returns. Go to serenitynewsletter.com to watch a special video presentation now. That's serenitynewsletter.com. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Okay, before we jump in, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. His name is Sven Lawrence, and he is unbelievably smart. I got connected with him probably about a year ago, and we've started talking a lot, like on a really regular basis. I really like the way that his mind works. His investment strategy is really based on finding undervalued stocks around the world, not just domestic. Now, he's scooping up different companies across the globe at amazing prices, and his returns are phenomenal. You guys can actually follow along with a lot of his knowledge and information on his weekly dispatch. You guys can check it out at expatmoneyshow.com forward slash undervalued. We're actually going to be doing a lot more work together, and I'm really excited about this partnership here. So, guys, get to know him, get to know his work. If you guys are interested in stocks, in investing, in equities, in companies, then this is the guy that you want to follow. You can go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash undervalued to sign up for his free newsletter. He has a paid newsletter as well as a lifetime subscription. They are also worth checking out. I am actually a lifetime member myself. I love his special reports. They are fantastic. He has a little bit of humor in them. He is really intelligent, goes into a deep analysis, but doesn't make it dry or unfun to read. So, fully endorse this. I really am excited about it, and I hope you guys get a chance to take a look. Go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash undervalued, all one word, undervalued. Okay, let's jump into today's interview. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikhail Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Today's guest is the author of The Nomadic Wealth Formula and creator of Nomad Network, a new community for liberty-minded entrepreneurs that focuses on entrepreneurship and investment, not politics. Please welcome to the show, Jason Stapleton. Jason, how are you? I am doing great. Thanks for having me back on the show. My pleasure. You know, I was on your show, I want to say like six months ago, and we've been emailing back and forth and we've become friends over this time. But yeah, I'm really excited for today's conversation and to learn from you. And I know you have a wealth of knowledge to share with everyone. So why don't we start kind of with your backstory? How did you get into this field of work? Why do you think it is so important? I want to hear it all. Yeah. All right. Oh, it's funny because it's like somebody asks you that question and you're like, well, man, the, the more years go by, the longer that story tends to be. But I'll, I'll give you the short version of it. I was in the military when I got out of high school. And I after I got after that, I went and I did security work in Iraq and Afghanistan for Blackwater. And prior to going downrange, in, that's what we say when you go into the into a battlefield, it's called going downrange. And prior to that, I really considered myself to be a, a staunch conservative what most people would refer to as a neoconservative. And when I was there, I realized that everything I've been taught about freedom and liberty and us spreading democracy around the world, that really wasn't what we were doing at all. I got to see inside the State Department. I got to see inside a lot of the three-letter agencies. And I just realized, look, this is just a big slush fund of them moving money around and trying to justify their existence, all in the name of keeping America safe. And I said, I started to get really jaded. And it was about that time I was I was looking for something else to do with my life because naturally once once you now find what you do reprehensible and morally reprehensible you got to get out of it. And so I had been trading stocks and currencies for a number of years while I was working downrange. I got to be pretty good at it. And I started a little company called Trade Empowered that ended up becoming a really big education company in that sort of trade uh, currency trading space. 
And a few years later, I started the podcast that most of your listeners probably know me from, the Jason Stapleton program, where I basically, I took a look around the world and I said, you know, I got all this knowledge about currency trading. I got all this knowledge about how banking and, and international finance and all this stuff. I, I think I got something to say about this. And, and I think that the values that we have and, and the values that I want to talk about create the most amount of wealth for the most amount of people. And so I started this, this show to talk about politics and economics. And I did the show for uh, that show for about six years or seven years. And then at that point, I really got to the point where I was just like, you know what? I don't think I got the right audience because I thought I had a whole bunch of libertarians who really wanted, you know, self-ownership. They wanted to pull themselves up by the bootstraps and get outside the system because that's what they talk about all the time. And I realized that about half of my audience really just wanted to complain and pretend like they were better than everybody else. They didn't really want to do any of that stuff because anytime I would talk about entrepreneurship, anytime I would, uh, you you know, give a motivational speech about, you know, really testing your limits and really reaching and 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 getting outside and look at what the 90% do and, and don't do that, do what the 10% do. I would just get emails of people and nasty grams in our little Facebook group saying, ah, oh, you should stick to the issues. Like I hate it when he gets on a motivational kick. I'm not, a, not everybody can be an entrepreneur. And I said, I haven't had a single person since I started doing this show who showed up and said, you know what, Jason, all that politic and talk, that changed my life. Like I am now, you know, I've, I'm now a senator or congressman. I've now changed the laws in my hometown. It's like none of that. But I did get lots of people who were sending me notes saying, hey, man, you talked about entrepreneurship. You talked about carving out your own little thing. And, and I started my own little thing. And, and now I make, you know, 500 bucks, a thousand bucks or better yet, I quit my job now and now I'm doing my own thing. That to me is liberating. That to me is what real liberty is, because, you know, liberty is really about control. It's about controlling your time, your money, the decisions that you make. And it's very difficult to do that without some form of entrepreneurship. And so I started a new show and, and over the course of the last several years have built a little community around this idea that we need to control the source of our income through entrepreneurship and investment. We need to constantly be building on the skills that we have. So our skills are, are in high demand and we can command a high wage for those or a, a high value for them. The third part, which a lot of people struggle with, is this idea of income mobility. This idea that I not only do I want to have a high income, not only do I want to own kind of like how my money comes to me and be in control of that, but I also want to be able to kind of do that from anywhere. I want to be able to be mobile with that income. Just in case, as we've seen here in the last couple of years, we get a an overreaching, overbearing government that decides it wants to put down mandates and tell your kids what they have to put in their bodies. You know, you can leave. And you know this better than anybody because you've done it. You know, you and I talked, I think a year ago or six months ago, I'm looking, still looking at incorporating out there in Panama because I just want to have that, that mobility. But that mobility doesn't come if you're stuck in Westchester and you can't get out. And so we started the community really as a way for people to get together, to support each other, for people to learn and kind of take those first few steps. I really like the people who are like, I really don't know what I need to do, but I, I really, I know I need to do it. Because that means uh, we introduce them to the community, we start teaching them a little bit about the basics of entrepreneurship, and then you see these light bulbs go on. And now they start to figure out and to put the stuff in motion. And it's been amazing to see just how that community has begun to thrive. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I really am. Well, Jason, you are certainly on the right podcast because I think <laughs> I think that uh, what you just described definitely ticks a lot of the boxes of the the things that I believe, and I think that a lot of my listeners believe as well. Certainly, beyond just you know libertarian values, like I'm I'm quite open that I'm very libertarian in my the way that I think. I mean, I don't know anything about the LP or or the politics of it, but certainly personal responsibility and having control over your own wealth is massively important. And, you know, one that we do talk about, I mean, this is the expat money show. We're, we're talking to people about investing, about building a business, and specifically those who are want to do it overseas or are already doing it overseas. But why did you decide on entrepreneurship and not investing? Because it sounds like you did have quite a big background from investing. Why do you think that entrepreneurship is the vehicle forwards? Yeah, it, I, and I talk about this in the, in the book a little bit. The biggest problem for most people 
is that there's not enough money at the end of the paycheck, at the, at the end of the month, right? So in order for you to invest well, number one, investing in uh, investing your money wisely does not happen quickly. You, you might hit pay dirt you know, once in your life. You might be the guy who invested all of your money in crypto and managed to hold it for the last 15 years. That's not most people. Most people are putting the money that they have, the extra, into assets that they want to see grow slowly over time. And most people lack an understanding of how that should be done. And they don't have the resources to apply much capital at all anyway. If you have a, let's say you have an extra $100 a month or $500 a month that you could put into investment. Yes, over the next 20 or 30 years, it's going to create you a lot of wealth if you do it wisely. But that same $500 invested in some business that increases the income and raises your income up to now, instead of 500, you have a thousand or $5,000 extra a month. That money is far better put to use if you don't have a lot in the area of either increasing skills or in, in entrepreneurship. In the end, it will grow into something more. And, and so that's why we chose to focus on that. And I still teach trading. I still teach it to people who want to learn it and who want to, who want to add that component to what they do. But for me, I have seen the greatest amount of increase, the greatest amount of personal freedom and autonomy come in the form of entrepreneurship. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that Investing is an important topic and certainly one that I help my clients with. But definitely for the people who don't already have a large nest egg. Okay, it's a very different situation. You know, a 20-something-year-old who's coming out of college or wants to build something and a 55-year-old who has a million dollars, a couple million dollars in the bank and wants to move it from their mutual funds to some type of international investment or a hedge fund or something maybe a little bit more aggressive. But actually... Building up that nest egg, I mean, pound for pound, entrepreneurship, I mean, that's where it's at. I mean, I've been an investor and an entrepreneur for years and years and years. The nice thing about entrepreneurship is the cash flow you can create. If you are investing, unless you're just doing, I don't know, blue chip dividend stocks, which are paying and you actually taking the distributions, where most people are just reinvesting it. I mean, you're going to be pretty cash poor, even though you might have on paper a lot of money. So entrepreneurship where you're getting clients from all over the world, I think is definitely the way to go. Yeah. And, and I think it, you bring up another good point. I think it's inputs over outputs. And, and for most, unless you work in there, so there are different kind of different areas of working for somebody else. You can be just an employee and you, you trade your time for dollars, right? And that's essentially the trade you're making. Uh, you also have people who are entrepreneurial. So they may have a portion of their income that comes from sales or from some sort of like based on performance. And if they do a little bit better, they can make more. Or if the company overall does better, they make a little bit more. And then you have like, you know, basically your pure entrepreneur, which eats only what he, he or she kills. And for most people, they are spending their lives trading time for dollars. And we only have 24 hours in a day. If you work all 24 hours, that's the most amount of money that you can make is whatever somebody's willing to pay you for that hour. In entrepreneurship, we don't trade time for dollars in most of the work that we do. So what, what I'm doing here is having an hour-long conversation with you that may end up resulting in $50,000, $100,000 worth of income down the road because people heard this podcast and came and talked and, and joined our network and and, uh, and grew with us, right? And so the first thing that somebody's got to do is they've got to get out of this time for dollars mindset because the only way that you can create more time for yourself is to buy it from someone else. So that's, that's it. So you're going to work your days and you're going to choose whether you're going to be at the office or whether you're going to be at the beach. And the only way that you get to make that choice is number one, if you control your company, if you control your income. And secondly, if you have the ability to buy time from somebody else to give you the freedom to go and do those things. And so once you have that shift and you're like, oh yeah, okay. So let me work on high value skills that I create, I create something once, or I, or I create something for an hour and it pays me a, you know, a multiple of what I've made for working that same hour at a job until once you've made that switch in your head, uh, you never want to go back. You're like, I, I'm a, I'm just a slave. Otherwise I'm just somebody's lackey. And that's it. Even if you love what you do. And I get a lot of that, you know, people are like, well, you know, I love what I do. I, I make pretty good money and, you know, family's taken care of. And, you know, I, I don't know. It's the, it's, I think Mark Claire calls it the, the pretty good job trap. 
And it's, uh, I thought that was just a, a fascinating way to think about it. It's like, okay, I get that. But is that really what you want for your life? Are you really, fought, are you getting up every day passionate and excited about what you do? Or is it just like, hey, this is my job. I, you know, nobody loves what they do. Dude, I do. I get up every day and love what my job is basically to help other people get what they want. Right. We're, we're freedom facilitators is what we do. We're like, hey, what, what, we will we help you get where you want to go. That's an incredibly, I guess, rewarding thing that we get to do. And I'm sure you feel the same way in your business. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I just want everybody to have that kind of and not only that, but to be paid well for it as well. It's it's a it's a wonderful thing. So are these the main things that you're looking at new clients or people who join your community? Is this kind of the journey that they have to go through first? Is this mindset shift to understand this? Or are there other like big stumbling blocks that you've seen that come up over and over and over again with new people? Yeah, that's a really good question. So a lot of it is if we're working with new people and I, I do work with some, you know, some very successful entrepreneurs. I have a you know, coaching program for people who are already doing well and they just want to do better. But one of the biggest problems we have and I think people have is not in I have to shift my mindset into a time for, out of a time for dollars thinking, but just like I'm looking at the world. And this is this has been true, I guess, for the last year to two years. They're looking at the world and they're like, I'm I, this is I don't want this. Like, I don't want to be told what to do. This is oppressive. I've, I'm being I'm being hassled and and uh, and having my rights violated and they don't know how to fix it. They're like, I don't know what I would do. Like, okay, I need to start a business. I need to get a little side hustle going. But doing what? Like they've never taken the time to really look at what are your skills? What value do you have? What value could we quickly add to your skill set to make you even more valuable? And then how do we teach you the basic skills to be able to go out and rustle up some of your own business? Um, it's one of the reasons on, on December 11th, we're going to be having the, we're calling it the Discover 2022 event. And basically that's what the whole event is designed to do. It's one day, it's all virtual. And all we're going to do is just work with people on figuring out what is it that you really want like what if you had to get up and do work for the forever you know every day for the rest of your life what would it be why is that important to you now let's dig into the skills and that you already have the knowledge you already have that we could monetize let me let's talk about i think i've got 33 different side hustle businesses that someone can start right now and not all of them are like purely digital businesses some of them are just like man i got to get my income up Got to get that income up. So I've got some free time. I can buy back some of my time so I can devote more to this entrepreneurial path, this business that I want to create. And so that's the biggest struggle, I think, for most people who know they need to change, like they get it, but time doesn't allow them the, the opportunity to just pour themselves in. And secondly, is they think that they got to they got to start all at once. They're like, oh, I got to go lease space and I got to create product and I got to shoot warehousing. It's like, no, man, it's you just take the first step, right? You don't have to go all the way and, and invest $150,000, get a loan at the bank. I bootstrapped three different two seven figure and one six figure businesses with bootstrapped them. And I can, I mean, we, we help people do it all the time. So, do you find that a lot of the people who are starting businesses is basically a continuation of their original careers, just making it digital? Or are people starting from completely scratch and building something completely new? Yeah, that's a good question too. It's a, I'd say it's probably 50-50. So we have some people who they're, they're just like, hey, I do this for somebody else and I could do it for myself. I have a client um, named Lauren and she did SEO, search engine optimization for a company for a, long, a number of years. And she's just like, I, I know how to do this. I can make more money doing this by myself. She worked a little bit on figuring out how to find clients who needed her help. And now she's, you know, quit her job and she's doing full time as the, the same thing she was doing for somebody else. Other people have always had that passion or they've always been fascinated with a specific area of the market and they wish that they could be in that industry. But for a number of reasons, mainly they've got kids, they got bills, they got responsibilities. They haven't they don't believe they've never thought it was really possible. And when we start to work with them and we say, Hey, no, it's really not that expensive. And you can do it part-time and, and start transitioning over. Then again, the light bulb starts to go off for most of them, but it's, it's about a 50, 50 split, I think. Well, and then I would think that you would want to take some type of inventory of the people's skills and abilities and things that they do. Because if you already have a background in one field, even though it might not be a direct translation, oh, we just 
take your business and put it online. There's probably a lot of skills that someone already has that would lend themselves to other fields. So they're really not starting from zero. I mean, I think that's an important thing that people understand. Everybody has skills and abilities and, and different things that you do well and different things that will lead to different types of businesses. Do you work with people to identify these types of things? Do you have a formula or something that's going to help them through this process? Yeah, and that's actually what we're going to cover at the Discover 2022 event. I've been putting together a lot of a lot of stuff that is going to help them kind of identify what those are. Because you tend to have two kinds of people. You're absolutely right. You tend to have two kinds of people. You either have the person who is in their in their mid 30s, late 30s, and they've been working for a long time, they have a ton of skills they don't realize they have. They have a ton of you know just adding a couple of new skills on a hey, how do I communicate? How do I put myself out there so that people know I exist? And boom, they, they they can easily transition. And then you've got younger people who are in their 20s. They don't have a lot of skills, but they have lots of time. And one of the things I've I've been bouncing around a little bit is this idea of of you being a time billionaire. You know, everybody wants to be a fine a money billionaire, right? But if you're under the age of 48, you got a billion seconds left in your life at least. Right, the average lifespan in a, in, of an American is about 79, 79 years old. And if you're under the age of 48, you have a billion seconds. That's a billion moments that you have to capitalize on. You have there. Warren Buffett would trade a large stockpile of his wealth <laughs> to have your time left on this earth to be able to have extra. Right. So when we think of ourselves as time billionaires and how are we going to maximize the amount of time we have on this earth and how do we control as much of it as we can so that we can do what we want, when we want, with who we want, where we want, for as long as we want without consideration of the cost. See, that's wealth to me. That's freedom is having the ability to do that. And time is the only non-renewable, non-replenishable resource we have on the have in, in our lives. Okay, every second that burns away is one you don't get back. So if you are young, you're a multi-billionaire, and if you're yet not yet fifty, you are still a time billionaire. You still have an opportunity to do incredibly great things. And what I want to impress upon people is don't waste that time. Don't waste it doing work you don't enjoy with people you don't like in a world and a life that you find, find unfulfilling. That, that to me is death, right? There's old saying, some people live to be 75, but they died at 25. And I find that to be true for a lot of people when they get out of college and they wake up at 30 or 35 and they're just like, man, this is I, what? Like this midlife crisis that they go through. And uh, I, I don't, you don't have to live that way, I guess is what I'm saying. It's, it is possible for you to wake up and suck the bone marrow out of every second that you've got. Well said, my friend, very well said. I kind of have said in the past, not like kind of half serious, kind of half joking, that if I walked outside today and got hit by a bus, I'd kind of be okay with it. Like, I have done so much in my life. Like I started traveling internationally when I was a teenager and I never stopped ever, not even for a minute. I've just been traveling and traveling and traveling for 21 years straight because I love to travel. And now I'm married, I got two kids and they travel with me. I love it so much. I even brought my mom with me. Now my mom travels with me and I've taken her around the world and showed her so many different things to Switzerland and Italy and all over Africa and safari and all these things. And it's like, if things ended for me tomorrow, at least, at least I've done the stuff that I want to do with my life. And I didn't wait. I didn't toil away at a job where I hated it or listen to crap that didn't matter to me or practice escapism at every turn. I mean, I think one of the biggest problems we have in the world right now is that people believe that they need to be entertained every second of the day. And it's like, it's not really the case. I mean, every minute that you are scrolling through the feed on social media is time that you will never get back. So it's like, if that's what you want to do with your life, then great. And if that really, truly makes you happy, then wonderful. But I'm going to guess that the majority of the people who listen to your program and listen to my program don't feel that way. 
No, I, I would agree wholeheartedly. And and I think, you you know, you bring up a really good point because I'm kind of like you. I love to travel. I love my my uh, my wife and I cannot wait until we have 5G nationwide here in the U.S. And we're just going to get an RV and drive around the country and, and see all the sites. And we'll work from anywhere. And as, as, as long as I can do the we got the bandwidth to do the video and the stuff we got to do for work. I mean, we're coming into a new era, a really a, a new age. But and I labeled like our community, the Nomad Network. And it's funny because because nomad is a, is kind of a is needs some definition right because i think people think about nomad and they think well i don't want to travel like i'm i like where i live i like my family close by i what i really want is i want 5 acres in the mountains and for people to leave me alone i want the money to be able to my wife to stay home from work so that she can homeschool our kids because that's something that we've wanted to do for a long time and i said you know being a nomad isn't about not having a home it's about operating outside of the system. It's about being able to do those things that we talked about, having the time freedom and and, and the financial freedom to, to thumb your nose at anybody who tells you that they want to control you. And, and I don't mean that in the nasty way. I just mean it like, you know, in, in any way possible. Uh, yeah, you got to come in for overtime. I need you to stay late. No. I'm not doing that. I, I do what I want. And I have the resources and, and the freedom to do that. And so when we talk about nomads, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about people who operate outside the system, who do not need the system, and who are able to do control their own time and their own lives. Okay, we're just going to take a quick break for a second. So recently, my friend Ollie Richards has released a new set of uncovered courses for learning a second language. These are the exact courses that me and my family used to go from really crummy Spanish to fluent in less than two years. So I am a big believer in his work. Not only that, but we've really become friends over the last couple of years. So I'm really happy to be able to support his program. So if you guys want to learn a second language, if you want to be a digital nomad, if you want to travel the world, then these are the programs for you. All you need to do is go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash languages. He has some special promos there, some special deals, new courses coming out, lots of exciting things. I hope that you guys take a second to go and look for it. Learning the local language really shows respect for the people, for the culture, instead of just forcing everyone to learn English. Listen, trust me, I know I have been traveling for over 20 years. It's not always easy to learn another language. Even a few words, though, can really make a big difference. And if you want to be an expat and live in another country, like in Latin America, where I am, then learning Spanish is pretty much mandatory. So go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash language and check out the work that he does. Okay, let's jump back into the interview. So... Let's circle back to the high value skills. So if, if we have someone listening today and they're, I don't know, let's take a couple of examples. Say we've got someone in their 20s, maybe someone in their 40s, and they want to develop high value skills, the most bang for their buck, where they're going to be studying something that people are actually going to pay for and pay a disproportionately large amount of money mm -hmm. for. What would you kind of say to someone like that? What would you encourage them to do? Yeah, at any age, the most valuable skill anyone can possess is the ability to accurately and effectively communicate their value to someone else. Communication is the most important thing. So that goes to sales, that goes to marketing, goes to behavioral science. All of those things, I believe, are intertwined. And whatever business you decide to get into, you will be doing a lot of marketing and a lot of sales because that's what a big chunk of business is. Uh, if you are not, if you don't want to do that, then stay an employee and stay at, a, you know, a slave to your own time. And there's nothing anybody can do for you. But if you think that sales is the experience you just had at Best Buy or the last time you went to a car dealership, then you really don't understand what sales is because sales should not ever feel like sales. You should never feel like you're being sold. When you go to the doctor's office and you sit down across from your doctor, the doctor gives you a prescription because you trust him and you, you've been coming to him and he's got, you got reputation with him and you're sick and you want to be fixed. And he tells you, well, this is what I think you should do, right? We're in the prescription writing business as, as business people. First and foremost, your job is to be of service to others and the bigger problems you can solve, the better. And one problem that everyone has all the time is I need more people to know who I am and I need more people to buy my stuff. So if you learn how to do either one of those things, even moderately well, uh, people will be banging down your door for your help. 
So that's the most important one. I, I think some other ones that are going to be really valuable in the future is any type of blockchain stuff. If you have any interest in that, there's a whole new world of coding going on right now that nobody really understands. And it's like the Wild West. It, it's it's kind of like, I imagine it's a lot like when Steve, well, not Steve Jobs, but uh, when Wozniak was tearing into old computers and they were building these circuit boards and they were talking to IBM and telling them there's going to be a, a, a computer on every desktop. And I, IBM told them, you guys are, you guys are idiots. Nobody's ever going to have a computer in their <laughs> office, in their home, right? It, it's like, that's the kind of world and the environment that, that blockchain is right now. And I'm not talking about crypto. I'm talking specifically like about blockchain technology, smart contracts, decentralized finance. I know you, you you probably got your hand in a bit of that too. More That's than a, a bit, a, yep. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's a fascinating world that people are, millions and millions and millions are going to be made by individuals who learn about that and can capitalize on it. So those are the two, I think the two biggest skills. And then there are other ones, any sort of the little things that you can do, video editing. My daughters are learning to video edit right now because they're, so much content is getting put online right now that even if you're not at a place where you're really creative enough to to create something of your own, people will pay you a healthy chunk of money to edit the stuff that they create. And it's a way, again, when we think about this part-time side hustle, that, that foots the bill, doesn't it? It's a rare and specialized skill. Not a lot of people are really good at that, especially things like After Effects and graphic design stuff, right? So you learn a little bit of that. It's definitely a mobile business. Because you could take that computer anywhere and you can do video editing for people all over the world. And it's uh, it allows you to control at least a chunk of your income without having to like quit your job to go and do something like that. You do it on your time. So it's a, those, those types of jobs and those types of skills kind of check all the boxes for us. And we'll be going through a lot more of those at the, at the event on, on the 11th. But, uh, but that's a few. Well, it's interesting too, because I mean, I homes you, you mentioned homeschooling. I homeschool mm -hmm. my kids. And I've had so many people say, oh, you know, they're not going to be socialized and they're not going to know how to make friends and they're not going to know how to communicate. I'm like, are you, are you joking? I mean, I run a massive email newsletter. I have a blog. I started a magazine from scratch. I host a popular podcast. You think that I will not teach my child how to communicate? My child is out there every day making friends. Chances are my child is going to communicate more than a state-run school child that went through public education because we are actively teaching these things. Because I agree with you, Jason. I agree with you 100% that communication is that skill that will never go away. Now, normally in schools, what is being taught are for careers that are not going to exist in the future. But I guarantee you in 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 100, 1,000 years from now, communicating and developing relationships with other human beings will hold value. I am 100% sure of that. Yep. And so, I mean, to kind of piggyback off of that, that's one of the things I focus a lot on is every year I have the influential communication and branding workshop, the two-day workshop, and that's all we do is talk about, you know, human behavior, talk about behavioral science, what sort of communication tactics are the most effective uh, for you getting your message across to people. And I have some success at this. I've, I've built a really substantial podcast and a couple of really significant businesses that I built off of content marketing, entirely off of content marketing. And so it's one of the things that I'm, I consider myself to be a true expert at is brand building, uh, personal brand building and uh, influential communication. And so it is one of my favorite things to teach and talk about. And it also happens to be one of the highest value skills. So I'm glad that I'm glad to hear you say that because it is one of the things that I believe is never going away. It is it, you and so few people do it well. So few people do it well and do it intentionally. Yeah, those are, it's just great skills to learn. Well, and then to your second point, and, and I make a connection here in my brain, and I'm not sure if anyone else does, but for blockchain, we're talking about basically another language. So I think that it's so important to learn and understand languages, which really goes back to communication. So if you're multilingual, or if the language that you speak is Python or another type of programming language, well, I mean, that is going to give you advantages that many other things will not. So when we look to the future and we know that 
technology is here to stay. I mean, there's no question about it. Blockchain is 100% here to stay. Anyone who thinks, oh, government is going to come and squash this. You guys really don't understand what the landscape looks like. Actually, this is being supported by governments. It is being supported by the big four accounting firms. They want to do things like triple entry bookkeeping so that they'll have their own ledger of every type of accounts. It will actually help so many businesses and is being picked up by massive conglomerate companies. I think it's Visa who has over 400 patents in the blockchain space. 400 patents. Now, if they're putting in that millions upon millions of dollars of legal work, do you think that maybe there is a reason that they're going to do this? These types of things, these languages, how this is developed is here to stay. So if it is not you who is going to be doing these types of things, at least the next generation, if you have children or grandchildren, encouraging them to participate, I think is really smart. And as to your comments about marketing, in blockchain, these spaces are going to need marketers and sales and graphic designers and video editors and SEO and all of the things that we've been talking about today. So there are many entries into this new economy that is being built. No, I could not agree more with what you just said. And as regards to blockchain, I know your audience is probably more educated than than the average audience is. But, you know, they talk about, oh, they're going to kill cryptocurrencies. I mean, if, if that's your view of what blockchain is, it's so narrow and so confined. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the entire banking industry. I think even the banking industry knows it. You can't be killed. And it's a superior system and a superior ledger to anything else that we've ever seen. It's going to change every aspect of how we of how we work, how we exchange goods and, and services, everything, how everything is, how things are tallied. I mean, people think NFTs are something that you sell online with, uh, you know, with with digital artwork. They don't even understand. No, no, no. This is an this is an accountability tool. That, that, that proves ownership to everybody in the world instantaneously. Yeah, like the, that's mind boggling. It's, it's transformational in what it's going to do. And the great thing is, is if you know nothing about it, dude, five years ago, nobody knew anything about it. Decentralized <laughs> finance is like what, 24 months old, maybe like in the, Maximum. at least, yeah, Maximum. you're talking yeah. about, dude, you are not behind right? Yeah. You're not. You can get in right on the bleeding edge of this thing and build yourself a life and insulate yourself and protect yourself from, you know, future downside problems that are, that our economies are going to have. Because I can promise you one thing's for sure, as our economy, I call it the great transition, is, is we're transitioning from one age to another age. And this new age, we're going to see millions and millions and millions of people find themselves out of work without the skills and necessary in order to make a living because they don't understand any of this stuff. And they're just going to one day find out, oh, yeah, my job's no longer there. And so the more you can do today, the more you can begin building on those skill sets and trying to isolate, carve out little pieces of income. You know, I've always said the only way the only way to insulate your recession proof your income is to have multiple streams of income that you control. That's the surest way to I, to insulate yourself from any sort of recession that happens. And so uh, if you're not doing that right now, you're doing yourself a disservice, you're doing your family a disservice. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Because people seem to think that being an entrepreneur or being an investor or building a business is risky. I'm like, wow. I can't think of anything more risky than having one job and all of your money come from one source. Like, that would keep me up at night. I mean, I have literally hundreds of thousands of income sources because I work with clients from all over the place. I have many different products and services. Every day when I wake up, there is money in my account. It's because it's working all day long. It's coming from all over the place. Having one job going in, like just look what happened with COVID. Oh my God. Now your job is deemed non-essential and you're sent home or you're furloughed for months on end. It's like, what are you going to do? How, how do you tell your wife that? Like, what do you say to your kids? Like, that's brutal. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you said that because I, I, I explain it a similar way. I say, imagine if, imagine you owned a company. Let's think about it this way. Imagine you owned a company and you were paid really well. You know, you made good money, but you only had one client. Would you lay down at sleep every night just like happier than a, you know, than a pig in poo thinking to yourself, well, oh, I'm so glad. No, things are fine. I, I, I'm making good money at this job. Or would you be like waking up at 3 a.m. in a cold sweat, praying to God that that one client didn't just up and leave for somebody else, right? That's what it's like to be on your own working for somebody else. You, you have one client, that one guy who's willing to pay you. And if at any point he decides he's not, what are you going to do? What are you, you going to do when somebody, when they, you know, when the business is mismanaged or whatever, and 
they end up uh, needing to shutter their doors. And you, for no fault of your own, are just kind of left out in the cold. Those are those are terrible situations for anyone to be in. And the truth is, is that while the downside between you know entrepreneurship and working for somebody else is the same, you can go broke doing either one. You could be sleeping in your car, having work for somebody else or working for yourself. The upside is unlimited in one case and is always capped on the other. So uh, it, it, people think that they are they have extra security. People think that they are safer because they work for somebody else. And the reality is they are never more at risk than when they have only one stream of income that somebody else controls. And so what we say is, what I say, I say we, what I say is, man, let's carve off a little something for you. Let's spend a little time on the side creating something of your own. And maybe all it does is it cuts down on the amount of overtime that you got to work. Maybe it means that your wife, like we said, can stay home and doesn't have to work anymore. Maybe it means that, that you guys can finally go on a vacation, which a lot of families don't even get to do that. You know, a guy going from making 50 grand a year to making 150 grand a year is life-changing money. I mean, going from a hundred to a million is even more life-changing, but that little jump from 50,000, which is basically, I'm just barely eking through life to 150, man, it's transformational. And the truth is it doesn't take a lot, you know, extra thousand, thousand dollars, five thousand dollars a month can quickly turn into an extra 50 or hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Because if you think about things, I mean, once you have your, your base covered. Okay. Your rent or your mortgage, your electricity bill and your utilities, your mobile phone, a little bit of money. As long as you can keep that at the same level, every extra dollar actually goes into things that can produce more assets for you. So that jump is not, oh, I'm just making twice as much. Okay. It doesn't sound like that much, but the impact it can have on your life is so monumental. It should not be overlooked. No, you're exactly right. And it's, it's crazy. Uh, because I think this is one of the reasons why giving people money will never lift them out of poverty is because you have to understand how to use that money. I always use the example when I ran Trade Empowered for a period of time, I was buying about $30,000 worth of advertising every every Tuesday. And every Saturday, by the, by Saturday, that same Saturday, I would I doubled that $30,000. So I was making thirty grand a week running the same offer to just new people on different lists that I would buy from people and rent from them. It's that's, I don't want to say it's that simple because it took us a long time to get there, but that's what having that extra money there, that pool of cash can do for you is you can put it to work for you. You talk about an investment, right? I couldn't find a single investment in the world that could turn my money over 400% a month safely, right? So at that point, the best thing for me to do was to plow all of my money back into that business. And it paid me handsomely over the years. That's not to say that, that you know, other investments are not important. They certainly are. But you will find that once you learn these skills, these very basic skills, that you will quickly be able to turn your money over and make put your money to work for you. And that's when things really get excited. That's when you can buy back a lot of your time when you can hire people to do the things that you don't want to do anymore. That's a great feeling is to not have to answer a support email, right? It's just, it really is. It's just like everybody's, there's just stuff about running a business that isn't all that much fun. And the great thing is, is that there are people who really like doing that stuff. They love entering stuff into ledgers and spreadsheets. I hate that crap. I just want to go out and create something cool, right? I want to, I want to do a video or put together a presentation. I want to teach a class. I don't want to deal with any of the administrative stuff on the back end. So as much as I can, I have other people do that stuff for me. And then I just kind of monitor it, but it frees up a massive amount of my time. It allows me to do 50 or 60, 80 hours worth of work in a week when most people, you know, they could never, they couldn't ever physically do that. Certainly not at scale. So that's a good segue because I want to talk to you about content creation. I mean, you're a pretty prolific content creator. Do you think that it is something that more people should be looking at? Is it, Do you think that this is a, a smart marketing or business strategy? I have my opinions on it, but I want to hear yours. Yeah, I know that I'm, you're full of good questions today. <laughs> I think the way a lot of people see, a lot of people screw up like content creation and, and brand building, like they see what other people are doing and they think, oh, I've got to be out on Instagram and Facebook and crap all the time. I got to put out a YouTube video and 
I have to develop this sort of image and stuff. Some of that stuff is true, but you're missing the bigger picture of what you're really doing. When you when we talk about establishing brand or through content creation, like you're talking about, what we're really talking about is establishing reputation. See, you the resume is no longer your reputation. People call and, you know, what, what's the first thing you do when you're going to hire somebody? What's the first thing that you do when you think you might want to buy something from somebody? You're like, who is this person? And you do some Google searching. Do they have a Facebook? Do they have an Instagram? You know, what, what does this person believe? Is there any testimonials about this guy's product? You know, what do people think about it? What are they saying about this person? What we're doing right now is a form of content creation that benefits both of us because both of us get to share what we feel and what we believe and what we think and, uh, and find alignment with the audience. That's what you're really doing when you're creating content is what you're, what you're trying to do is just build relationships with people who otherwise there would be none there. And then when the time is right, when they are ready and they're like, hey, I really like what this guy's saying. Hey, he's talking about that Dis Discover 2022 event. Maybe, maybe that'd be a good thing for me to be part of. Well, then they take that first step and they join your list or they attend the event. And then maybe if it makes sense, they become a client or subscribe to a program that helps them further it along. So for us, I think whether you are building a business or not, making sure that there is an established reputation for you online is really essential and is going to continue to be essential in the years to come. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on it? Okay. That, that now I'm interested. So first of all, I agree with what you're saying. I do agree with it. I think that a lot of people miss the point. You know, they think I need to create content. Hey, Gary V is doing this. So I need to do this as well. Gary V is a terrible person to follow for any of this. I like okay? picking on him though. It's really fun to pick on him. Jab, 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 right hook. It's like, I'm going to give away everything for years on end. And then one day, one day, these people will be so thankful that they're going to send me money. I'm like, that is a fucking horrible business idea. That is the worst I've ever heard. Like, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. But it, it's super popular. I mean, it gets out there all the time. I think that people miss the point. I mean, you need to be authentic. Jason, you are Jason. Like, I mean, I couldn't do what you do. I couldn't produce like you. I couldn't speak like you. I don't write like you. And you know what? I wouldn't want to because that's you and I do me and I do my content and I put out a ton of content. But you know what? When people sit down at one of our meetups or one of our conferences or they come to Panama and we go out for dinner or something like that and I sit down with them, which happens on a very regular basis, people know who I am. Like truly, they know they not, and I'm not just talking about details, but I mean my mannerisms, how I discuss things, my view, my tone of voice, tonality, and everything, my style of writing, the way that I do all of this stuff is uniquely me. I'm not trying to be someone else. So yes, I create a lot of content for sure, and I think content creation can be done, but it has to come from the right spot, from the right place. Don't go out there trying to create something and pretend that you're somebody else. You're spot on with, with that analysis. I think it's, you can't be who you are not for very long. And especially with the amount of exposure you get online now, you, somebody's going to find you out. If you're looking at the guy who's making a lot of money and like, oh, I got to be like that guy and I don't want to be like that guy. Well, congratulations, you don't have to be. And he's probably not making as much money as he's acting like he's making either because that's another big scam that people run online these days. But for me, authenticity, I mean, that's the whole point, right? How do you establish a relationship and trust with somebody if you're inauthentic in the way that you communicate with them? And a lot of people are not going to like you and the way you communicate. A lot of people don't like me. I'm too overbearing. I'm, I'm arrogant. I have like, I have, I'm, I'm very like kind of in your face with a lot of stuff, at least on the face. And that's okay because I won't work well with those people. Because, you know, people come to work with me. They want my advice. They want me to help them start or scale a business. There's not going to be any of this, like, I'm, we're not tickling each other. If they're messing up and I think they're doing it the wrong way, I'm going to let them know. It's my job to do that. I, I'd be doing them a disservice. That doesn't mean I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to criticize them and call them names. But you get what I'm saying. It's just like my abrasive personality is part of who I am. And part of the reason people come to me and want to work with me is because they know that, I'll tell them the truth that I'm not just going to blow sunshine, you know, up their tailpipe because, because they paid me money 
to help them start a business. And like, I want to start a business, you know, washing sidewalks on public streets. Somebody else. Oh, I can't remember who the guy was. Some guy had this business and he came to me, paid me a lot of, paid me quite a bit of money to help him develop this business. And I won't say it because then the guy will know who he is. And I knew it was a ridiculous business. I said, well, how are they going to pay you? Like, how are you going to get paid? Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll get paid by affiliate offers. And I'm like, dude, this is a, this is not a good business. Like, I don't, I don't know what you, we, we got to come now. We can modify this to make it a good business, but you need to stop doing it that, this way right now, because I, we can't, I can't see where the money's going to come from. And therefore I can't help you either that, or I'll give you a refund. You can go somewhere else and find somebody else who can find the magic pot of money in this terrible idea. And it was, it's nice because I think people get that, you know, oh, wow, he's being authentic. He is real. He is trying to help me, even if, yeah, now he's kind of taking the wind out of my sails. Uh, and I would, you know, I know you and I talked for a while ago when we were thinking of, when I was thinking about setting up that Panamanian company. And I was asking you a lot of specifics about how it worked and, and you know, the realities of the situation. And one of the things I really appreciated about you is that you were very direct. You were like, no, you do not want to do that. Nope. <laughs> well, one of the reasons we moved out of California, because I talked to you and you said, dude, they're still going to tax you. California is going to clean your plot. You got to get out of California. And so we did. We moved to Scottsdale and uh, that's part of our, our, you know, kind of like our five-year plan here to, to be more mobile. But I appreciated that. I'm like, oh yeah, he's peeing all over my ideas, but it's a good thing because I, I would have screwed it up had, had you not told me that. So what do you think about going to a client and kind of telling them what you think they want to hear? We're kind of trying to appeal to everybody that's out there. What, what do you think about this? Oh no, I I wouldn't. I don't do that. I, I don't. I don't think there's any money in that. Yeah. There, there's no money in being all things to all people. There's an old biblical uh, scripture verse that says, you know, be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you from my mouth. It's something along those lines. It's even biblical. It's like nobody wants vanilla, right? They want Rocky Road. They they want chocolate chunk. Even if you don't like Rocky Road, you want to know that that guy's not vanilla. He's not my flavor, but. I know who that, I know what that guy's flavor is. And I think the worst thing that you can do is try and be all things to all people because then nobody can put you in a box. And so when somebody comes to me, I just turned a guy away the other day. He came to me looking for some private coaching, which is thousands and thousands of dollars. And he legitimately was asking me, should I hire you? Because I have the, I, he had more than enough money taking seed capital for a big venture from where he's, do, he's doing seasteading. So he's building the platforms that they are going to build these entire communities on in the middle of the ocean. And he's won, won X prizes and he's got millions of dollars. He's got to devote to this and he's getting ready to scale up his business. And he's like, I'm going to need probably 40, 50 employees around the world. And, and I looked at him, I'm like, yeah, guy, you, I'm not your guy. I said, I don't, I've never done what you're doing. I mean, I've had 10 employees around the United States before, but I haven't built anything like this. And I said, I am not, I can't take your money. Like you would not be happy with me. And what I did was I connected him with a couple of mastermind groups that will really help him that have, do have people who built 50 and hundred million dollar companies, right? Guys who have the connections that he'll need and have an understanding of how the, the business needs to be structured. So I, I think it's important that even, especially if you're in my position where you do a lot of coaching and consulting, that you also know what your limits are. And so you don't get into a situation where you've promised, you've made promises you can't keep. Yep. I charge a ridiculous amount of money for my consulting. I don't mind saying that. I have actively turned away business because I thought, you know what? This is not going to be a good fit. You are not going to like me and I'm not going to like you. And that's okay. I mean, I'm really upfront about who I am, what type of business I run, my political beliefs, my family beliefs, my views on all of these types of things. Because for me, I think it is more important to, as Dan Kennedy would say, magnetically attract those who are like you and <laughs> repulse those who are not. You got a Dan Kennedy reference in there. I didn't know you were a fan. Oh my goodness. I was part of Dan Kennedy's mastermind groups. I used to fly to Chicago a couple times a year for platinum and stuff. I love Dan Kennedy. He's Dan Kennedy was the first person to introduce me into uh, influential copywriting and, and high-ticket consulting. I I think the first course I ever took from him was Influencer DNA, which I think was just a reproduction of some one of the big events that he held. And I, I probably dropped 
$50,000 on Dan Kennedy stuff over the years. I just, I, like a sponge. I have guaranteed dropped 50 yeah, grand well, with him without a question. Like, well, what? What's I the don't ma- even the need to go and check. I know it's a lot more. The mastermind group's what, 20 or 30,000 a year or was when he was running it, right? Yeah, I did the same thing. I was with Dan, I was with Ryan Dice and Perry Belcher in War Room, and that was, I think, 30000 a year. We did that for several years, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Those guys are amazing. You want to talk about entrepreneurship. That is the, the OG. I used to joke that just like all roads lead to Rome, all roads lead to Dan Kennedy when you start studying marketing. <laughs> it's, it's so true. Uh, and I think I was, I, you were probably attracted to him for one of the same reasons I was because on his face, he's just kind of a grumpy old man. Oh, he's a complete curmudgeon. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I just absolutely love that about him. He, he was like, I was like, man, he, this guy's making millions of dollars a year and he talks to people like this. I'm like, this is my guy. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is the guy I want to emulate. Well, because it's so funny. I mean, I get legitimate hate mail sometimes, like hard out hate mail. I've gotten death threats for things that I've put in my email newsletters before. I've had people say, I'm going to fly down to Panama. I'm going to find you and I'm going to kick your ass. It's like, wow, that's what happens when you start challenging people's belief patterns about money, about society, about government, all of these types of things. I mean, I don't really take it personally. I of course, protect myself. Like I'm not trying to make a joke out of it. Of course, I protect myself. But at the same time, I know it's not really me. I mean, if you're challenging someone and if you're really open about what you think and what you believe, then you're going to have people who are just diametrically opposed to it, who are on the absolute opposite side. Now, I affectionately call it shaking the tree. I like to shake the tree on my list on a very regular basis because I really don't need or want people on there who are not my type of people anyways. I mean, they're not going to transact. They're not going to actually become my clients. I'm not going to actually be able to help them. So really, they're just taking up space. They might as well go out there and subscribe to someone else that actually does believe in their things. And, you know, if they're these virtual signaling people, and that's fine. It's like there's someone else out there for you. It doesn't have to be me. I'd rather have a smaller, concentrated list. Someone who's listening to this podcast today and now has listened to you and I speak for nearly 60 minutes straight, I mean, you probably have a very good understanding. Do you like Jason Stapleton? Do you like the way that he thinks? If you do, then go out and find more, you know, then pick up the book. I mean, you have an excellent book. It's like a, takes you what? A couple of hours to go through. I sat down, I ordered your book, I read through it. It's excellent. I mean, it's a very, very small investment for a lot of value, which circles back to what we were saying before about what's the least amount of time you can put into something that is going to pay the most rewards for you, opposed to going to university for four years and then going doing your master's degree and then go do your PhD. And then afterwards thinking, hmm, I wonder what I'm going to do to earn money for a living. Jeez. Like that's just a very weird and backwards way of looking at things, I think. Oh, I, I agree with you. And thank you for your kind words about the book. It was a, you, you hold it in probably higher regard than I do. And I know you're probably just trying to do me a favor. I, that was a hit, very hastily put together book right after. Really? Well, no, yeah. I thought it was well thought out. Oh, well, very th- concise. So. Well, it was basically my thoughts just poured out on paper right after the lockdown, the lockdowns in 2020, because we'd been talking about it on the show. And one of the things that I said was, I said, there's going to be another recession and I don't know what the catalyst will be, but I know that the economic impact will be worse than any other recession that we've seen because they've consistently gotten worse since, you know, the stock crash of 87. And I said, you need to start preparing now. And of course, very few people listened. A few did and, and they were, they, they were, they survived and, and tolerated it well, but a lot of people didn't. And after the lockdowns, everyone was just like, man, I got no job. I got no money. What am I going to do? And so I wrote that book as just a way to kind of help people understand how they could start carving out a little bit of freedom for themselves by by focusing on this concept of nomadic wealth. And we're, we're working on a second one now that I think will be an improvement over the first. But listen, I think people get the wrong impression about what entrepreneurship is. I think they think it's about making money and 
convincing people to buy your thing, something they probably don't want or need, and that you do whatever you got to do to get a sale. And they have a kind of a dirty taste in that. Same thing with sales. They think salespeople are dirty. Problem is every single person on this planet eats because somebody sold something to somebody else. You know, your, your job, if you don't work in sales, exists because somebody does. And way, the way I like to think about it is I say, we're in the business of servant leadership. Our job is to help people. We're problem solvers. And every single one of your listeners, whether they own a business or not, and whether they have a side hustle or not, is a problem solver. You are solving a problem for someone else. The bigger the problem you solve, the more expensive, the more painful that problem is, the more money you will be paid, uh, the more valuable that that skill is. And, and so I would just challenge every one of your listeners to get out there and solve as big a problem as you can. And then never be ashamed of going out and telling people that you can you can solve that pain, that you can solve that problem, you can take it away from them. I've always said if somebody's going to spend money with if somebody's going to spend money on the services I have and they don't spend it with me, they will spend it with somebody else. And so I happen to think that they're better off with me than they are with the other guy, whoever that other guy may be. And if that wasn't the case, I'd turn them away like I did this other guy, right? But I have a moral obligation to my family, uh, to myself, to do everything I can to convince that person to do business with me because I can solve that problem. I can take that pain away. I can be the servant that helps them get what they want. And that's just a wonderful, wonderful life to live. And I, I know that you you feel the same way because of the work that you do. It, it's been incredibly rewarding for me. And I'm, I'm glad that I got the chance to talk with you a little bit about it today. You are 100% right. You hit the nail on the head so perfectly because an entrepreneur's job is to solve problems. That is what we do. That's why I think it is the most noble career on planet Earth. We solve problems. So if someone else's pain, if they have troubles, if they don't understand something and you're able to offer a product or service that helps get them out of pain, yes, absolutely, you will be paid for it. And you know what? You should be paid for it. And as you said, not just the bigger the problem, but the more difficult it is to get an answer. I mean, that's why people come to me. How many people have traveled like I have? How many people have had a life like I've had? Probably nobody, to be honest with you. Not trying to brag or anything like that. I'm just being very, very direct and honest here. I have extremely specialized information. You can't just go out there and find this anywhere or everywhere. So the problem that you're trying to solve, the more that it is not just difficult, but rare, I guess rare is a good word for it, then the higher you're going to be able to charge. So thinking about those things and the psychology that surrounds those, then yes, you have a moral obligation, but not like not just as you said to your family, but also a moral obligation to your client or your prospect to be able to actually transact with them, to have them hand over money and then help them with that. Because if you're not doing anything and everything that you can to make them transact, to help them to transact, then they're not going to get out of this piece of pain. I have had clients that in literally a 90-minute phone call, 90 minutes, I have had someone say to me, I learned more in this time than I did in seven months of researching it every single night by myself. Amazing. And as you were saying, you're a time billionaire, right? But if you're spending seven months to get an answer to something or 90 minutes and you're trying to build something and over and over and over again, you get these fast tracks, these shortcuts to solving problems. What is your life going to be like in a year, in five years, in 10 years? That's unbelievable to think about. No, is that, you know, I've, I've heard it phrased that uh, you write checks to go faster and that's what you do. You, you find somebody who has the problems, has a solution to your problem. You pay him some money and you don't have the problem anymore. I think Dean Graziosi is a guy who said, if you can write a check, if you've got a problem you can solve by writing a check, you don't have a problem, right? That's it. <laughs> That's it. It's, it's a beautiful way to think about it, but you're right. If you want to maximize the amount of moments that you have on this earth, you're going to spend a lot of money buying expertise from other people. And the most, the best expertise, like you say, is very expensive. You know, knowing who to trust in your business is extremely difficult. You know, everyone I talked to about your business uh, had nothing but who had worked with you had nothing but glowing things to say about you. And I was grateful uh, to have somebody like that, that I could, that I could talk to. And uh, you're right. It's, it is, it's, it's a responsibility that we have and it's a noble endeavor when you do it, uh, when you approach it ethically and, and honorably. 
Well, and I think that is a perfect time to wrap up today's interview. Jason, if people want to get a hold of you, if they want to find out more about what you do, if they want to shortcut the line and get help before anyone else, and instead of spending months and months and months looking it up themselves, if they want to shortcut that line, where can we send them? Where can they find you? Well, I, I, if anybody found this at all interesting, I would love for you guys to go check out our Nomad community, our Nomad network. It's completely, everything I'll tell you is going to be free for you guys to do. You go to www.nomadnetwork.app and you can sign up for a free account. If you don't like it, that's fine. We don't sell your information. We don't advertise to you on that platform other than letting you know about some of the events that we have going on. And there's a lot of resources there and a lot of people there that can help you get something off the ground or scale it. As I said before several times, we are having our Discover 2022 event on November 11th. That's www.discover2022. I bought the URL, 2022.com, uh, discover2022.com. The registration for that is absolutely free and costs you nothing. And then if you've got a question, if you just want to chat with me, you can send me an email, jason at jasonstapleton.com, or you can text me. I got one of those texty numbers too, if you prefer to do it that way. And that text number is, it's 323 323- Five nine four eight seven eight one, and uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks so much for having me on, man. I appreciate it. It's good to catch up. Absolutely, thank you so much, Jason. And I'll make sure that I have all of the links to these things for Jason underneath his episode at expatmoneyshow.com. Thanks so much, Jason, and I will talk to you soon. Okay, that's it for today. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. I certainly had a ton of fun recording it, and I hope it was really inspirational. If you guys want to join the conversation and find out more about what we do at Expat Money, then check out our private Facebook group. We have over three and a half thousand members of the group. We only started probably six or seven months ago, this group, and I really wasn't sure how I would like it, but actually it is so much fun. There's so many cool people there. It is the easiest and fastest place to get a response from me. It is the only social media platform that I actually spend any time on, not Facebook in general. I actually hate Facebook in general, but Facebook groups are excellent and specifically our Facebook group is excellent. And it's because of all the amazing people there. So you guys can check it out at expatmoneyforum.com. It's going to redirect you directly to our private group, expatmoneyforum.com, and join the conversation. Come say hello, say where you're from, let us know where you want to go. There are expats around the world. They're sharing boots on the ground research about what is actually happening, happening with restrictions and lockdowns and mandates and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it is the most up-to-date place to get all of your information. All you need to do is go to expatmoneyforum.com. Okay, we will see you next Wednesday on the podcast. Have a great day. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. My friends over at serenitynewsletter.com have a special opportunity open to those interested in learning advanced investing techniques in the crypto space. This membership is of the highest quality and is run by a dear friend of mine who happens to manage one of the most successful crypto hedge funds in the world. Crypto is the future, and those who make smart plays now have an opportunity to earn life-changing returns. Go to serenitynewsletter.com to watch a special video presentation now. That's serenitynewsletter.com.